Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Well, it's been about 40 years since the term work-life balance was first used. And since then, it's used broadly to refer to everything from the need for more leisure or family time to self-care. Wake up, honey. (laughs) These days, we're not only working more and connected to our jobs via technology, but we may also be working from home or as our guest today describes it, living at work. There's a new term on the block and that's called work-life integration, which according to Berkeley School of Business is an approach that creates more synergies between all areas that define life, work, home, family, community, personal well-being, and health. Well, today we have someone who can speak on this topic, and that's Greg Smythe. He's worked in several industries ranging from oil and gas here at home and in the Gulf of Mexico to high tech in Silicon Valley for Tesla. He'll share his journey and what he's learned about ensuring balance and healthy lifestyle into his and his family's day to day. He'll also share how the sense of community here in Newfoundland has inspired him to keep Newfoundlanders connected around the world through his organization, Global NL. This organization allows us to tap into what might be the most valuable resource here in the province, each other. Let's check it out. Greg, thanks for coming to the show. Yes, thanks for having me. This is great. Well, we've known each other for a long time and I've sort of watched your career change, but can you fill the audience in on a little bit about your, your past? Sure. I mean, actually, we met right at the start of my career. So I'm a mechanical engineer. I went to Memorial University from St. John's originally. When I came out of school, I went to work for Transocean, the drilling company. And that was when when you were starting off with definitions there, I think one of your first contracts. Mm-hmm. So we first met there. I then worked for ExxonMobil for about eight years, half the time in St. John's, working for the Hibernia project. And then in 2016, moved to California and have worked for Tesla uh, for the past four years there. When you talk about these different careers, you've not only had career in various industries, you think about like oil and gas is one thing. So you've got like non-renewables and then you've gone into Tesla, which is like electric vehicles. But you've also done work uh, as well with nonprofits. You started a new organization called Global NL. Yeah. So we can talk more about it now or later, but Global NL is meant to build a global community of Newfoundlanders, or not even just Newfoundlanders, but people with an affinity for the province. And the goal is to, to really create a global community, um, both kind of for the expats to connect with themselves and then a mechanism to connect the expat community to the province and hopefully interact, you know, young people or, or anyone here that can connect to that community and vice versa, give the expats that are living away an opportunity can, to contribute. Well, I can I can sympathize with that. I mean, you know, I've, I've worked in different different segments of the of industry and in different parts of the world and having people that, you know, yeah. in those areas helps open doors. And, you know, uh, that's one thing that Newfoundland is good at is taking care of one another. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I can I can talk a little bit about the genesis of why we started it, I think. And a big part of it was it's difficult, like when Newfoundlanders tend to go outside the province, it's more difficult to to connect. And it doesn't matter who, you know, especially when you get outside that immediate community. And so this is meant to help open doors of opportunity in industry or academics or whatever folks are trying to do, or also just provide like some inspiration that, you know, I've heard this phrase, you can't be what you can't see. And sometimes just telling stories about people that have done difficult things or taken unconventional paths that we can kind of share their stories. Mm. Right. And that a lot of that has to do with, you know, making sure that things are 
less stressful. So you go to a new place and things are, are stressful. You're trying to un- understand a new market or you're away and you need connection. And one of the things I, I think we're going to chat a lot about today is how you've been able to create work-life balance or work-life integration in the variety of careers you've had. How has the need for having balance evolved for you? It's evolved a lot. And I think it changes over time. Like when you come right out of school, you're probably ready to conquer the world. And so like the focus at that time is trying to prove yourself to get some basic working skills, those kind of things. But, you know, I recently started a family like and your priorities change, you know, as as probably get a little bit older or further along in your career. Uh, but it's always been something important to me and my family, my wife and I to to really not just work to work, but to work to live, you know, and give us opportunities to travel, to play sports, to stay active. But also like I do love if if you're lucky enough, and I have been in, in both of the, the main companies I've worked for to love the work I do. Mm-hmm. And so there is like a real pleasure and like enjoyment around accomplishment and doing things that are difficult. And so like this is I call it sometimes the tug of war, the tension between that. And it's like, I love family and all the excitement of, of doing things outside of work, but there's a real thrill about doing things that are super challenging with a great group of people at work too. Right. I, well, I guess for every single person, it would be different. What is important to them, what resonates with them, what they need from both career and from family. Like, right. you know, the word values is thrown around a lot these days. How does somebody sort of establish what their values should be around work and play and family and everything else? It's hard. And that's what, like, even I've managed people for the last several years and it's it uh, it can be tempting to kind of uh, project your values on other people but like some people want to be very focused on their career other people do not and they want to work less and have very clear boundaries and so it's really up to each individual to define that what their values are i think the thing that was important for me i read this book that i recommended to almost like every younger person or student i come across it's the seven habits of highly effective people and it sounds like a bit of a, a heidi tidy book but it is really good and it gave me a framework for defining my values. Mm-hmm. And it, it really just kind of forces you to sit down. It's, it's kind of a time management book, but what it more so helps you do is to define what, what's important to you and what your values are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, like, it's important to, to take some time maybe once a year or at least at different stages in your life to, to look at what is important. Because sometimes you, your, your values are either subconscious or conscious and they are driving like, like what the decisions you make. And so I think sitting and reflecting on what is important to me, what do I really want out of life is important. And then you start to make decisions kind of align with those. Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't go through that exercise, then then the subconscious will kind of drive you through life in directions that you might not even realize is driving you. Right. And that can lead to like unhappiness for, and you don't even know why you're trying to do everything you're supposed to be doing, but you yeah. don't really know it's what you want or not. And I think one of the first rules yeah. is to seek to understand. Right. Right. So that would extend itself to the person too. Yeah. Like the first three habits, I haven't read it in a while, so I probably need to refresh on it. But the first three habits are basically all about uh, yourself, like internal reflection, kind of mastering yourself before like the second three habits are uh, kind of like external, like working with other people, synergy, those kind of things. But it's really like the first three habits. And I almost want to say like those first three habits are things I spent a lot of time on for the first like almost decade of my career mm-hmm. and like trying to be more personally effective, to manage my time more effectively, uh, to learn how to, to, um, to be a fit, you know, efficient with time and, and things like that. But as you get further along, like working really well with other people becomes even more important as you manage mm-hmm. people, uh, becomes even more important than like how you can with a team, 
there really is an aspect of one plus two equals three mm-hmm. and like how to understand how to how, how to do that is, is something that's really important. Right. And, and I think that maybe it depends on your exposures along the way for career. So the yeah. need to be organized and the need to be on top of things and be able to plan probably came as a function of some of the jobs you were doing. How do the sort of values of the organization, how can they either add to or conflict with a person's values? <laughs> it's hard. Like the values of an organization, I think it's all it's hard to define. Like, I think it's hard to understand what the values, especially of a big corporation the companies I've worked for, you know, big Fortune 500 companies, and and I think it is hard. It's hard to even understand like what the what the values of the company are. I think actually what I realized over time is that your happiness or how much you like a job normally is defined by the group of people you work within. It's probably more like who your first line manager is and what that group of between say seven and ten people that you interact with on a daily basis and that is really important. And I think the relationship you have, like the level of trust you have with that, those people, the quality of the relationships you have with them and just having, you don't need to have the same values because there's, it's, there's real benefit of having diverse point of views and, and different value structures, but having a high trust work environment. If you have a low trust work environment, like work life integration and balance gets really lopsided. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like it's often not the hour element, like working too much that can cause problems. But if you work in a sort of toxic or low trust work environment, that's when people get burned out like much, much quicker. But I do think if you're interviewing for a job, understanding really like interviewing the company or more so interviewing the team and understanding what what what's important to them, asking them questions about what it's like to work here. what What's a good day look like? What's a bad day work like? You know, how... You know, asking a bunch of those questions, well, you'll start to get an idea of what the culture of the of that team looks like. And because especially in big companies, you see high variance in in the quality of management, the quality mm-hmm. of the indivi- like that individual team. But that will largely drive the your kind of happiness or, or work life balance, I think. Well, there's an old saying in business that says that culture eats strategy for breakfast. We're here with Greg Smythe, founder of Global NL, as he talks about work-life balance and the importance of staying connected. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're here with Greg Smythe, whose career has taken him from working here in Newfoundland to the hub of oil and gas in Houston and on to the tech capital world in Silicon Valley. He's sharing what he's learned about maintaining health and balance in a fast-paced world. You were managing people and you were running big projects that were high stress. Um, yeah. What were some of the things that you tried to stress within your team so that while you were at work, things were not going wrong or creating more stress in other aspects of your life? Yeah. I mean, I think for, I'll talk like individually, especially as like an individual contributor. And I can talk a little bit um, about, yeah, kind of this maybe as like a manager, it's like a little bit different. But I think like when I meet people that are coming right out of school, you realize that most people coming out of university anyways, or high school for that matter, they've never really managed their own life in general. They've either say been living at home or in like a highly structured work environment. So even in school, like you're kind of studying on your own, highly structured, like the terms are structured, midterm exams, final exams, syllabuses, problem sets, all these things are like, at least through engineering and most of the technical programs I'm familiar with, they are highly structured. So when you get thrown into the corporate environment, depending on the type of company, it can be very highly unstructured. And it's really up to you to navigate how you prioritize. You kind of have these infinite timelines that, you know, that that to get things done. 
And I see a lot of people struggle with that. And so like for young people, most of them have the technical or the intellectual capability, but a lot of people don't know how to manage their own work day or work week, month, year or decade, you know? So anyways, I think that's a, that's a really important aspect. For me, I've gone through all kinds of different systems, like the Covey, that book, the Seven Habits book actually has a really good kind of planning tool outlined. And I, I've gone through a bunch of different variations. What I find most helpful for me is to plan my week before I start. So I try and do either Friday afternoon or Sunday night. I'll like lay out a plan for the week where I'll look at my calendar, try and clear out any meetings that I don't need to go to, I'll book, I'll have pre-booked slots to book out white space basically for thinking or we'll say like deep work or just to, to focus time. Mm-hmm. And then I'll write out based, we can say based on my values, I'll have, you know, three different categories. So I'll have like personal stuff is at the top of that list and then it's work. And then I have global analysis stuff at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then I, I write out the, the main things I want to accomplish for that week. And then I print it out and then I, I try and keep that as like, I have to get these things done. And I try and make them to be like, these are things that I can get done in this given week. And it's definitely not perfect. I almost never get everything I want to get done, done. Mm -hmm. But going through that exercise really like, okay, this is what's important to me and like my long-term impact and success uh, or the team or the company or organization that I'm I'm working on. But it really, it's like, it's a gravitational force that like, this is what's important. Because as soon as Monday starts, that river starts flowing a thousand miles an hour. And what everyone else that you work with or live with are going to try and pull you in different directions. Mm-hmm. And some of that you need to do, right? Like you need to, to to do things to support other departments or provide inputs. But you need to have something to say, well, I have to get this core work of done this week. And, and that is really where that's those things we can talk about urgency versus important. Mm-hmm. It's really important to get those those important things done. Well, that's the thing is that ultimately too, psychologically, it gives you something that you've got a goal, you achieve a goal, it gives you a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. If you aren't planned out, then you're constantly reacting and you don't really know what you're getting done and you're kind of at the whim of whatever's next. So actually, you know, let's go right into that saying importance versus urgency. Yeah. What, what do you mean by that? Oh, I'm gonna go, I, maybe I didn't realize how, how, how important this book was, but it's actually, there's a four by four matrix in that book and it has kind of importance you know, it's either important or not important and then urgent versus not urgent. And what most people spend their time working on is things that are urgent or urgent to other people. Mm. And so it's really tempting and it's actually really satisfying to, to do things that are urgent. And it's like, typically they're kind of shorter to do. There's some like immediate timeline around them and it's like, and it's easy to get them done. Mm-hmm. But there's these important things that are not going to have impact for likely weeks, months, or maybe even years ahead of time. Uh, but if you get those done, they're like called like high leverage activities and they, they can really have a big impact in the long term. But if you only focus on urgent items, like you'll just never do anything of, of value. Mm-hmm. And there's some balance, like you, you do need to think like there's certain times you need to get things done quickly. In that book, he talks about the big rocks. And so like he makes this example where you put these big rocks into like a, a container Right. Mm-hmm. And you got, you got to make sure those five or 10 big rocks get in there. Yeah. And then you can kind of put the pebbles in or kind of the medium term ones. And there's a bunch of sand you can pour in there, which are all like and the, the water goes in on top of that. Exactly. And yeah. so there's always additional room. But if you start with the sand or the water, there's never room for the big rocks. And so I think it's like that thinking in that framework is really important. Well, OK, so, you know, keep on going with this. Yeah. You've probably seen individuals that have put the sand in first and these things. How did people typically fare when they don't 
make sure that they're hitting things they need to hit and they're in this reactive state. After you get you continue to progress up, I'm sure that that becomes more and more stressful for folks. Yeah. And you see the people that move up are not those like you look at exact like high level executives and stuff. They tend not to be like that. They're not the reactive folks. They are thinking like long term, those kind of those those kind of things. Like I think it does that leads to burnout. I think it it also can really like resentment's a strong word, but like you tend to be serving other people, mm-hmm. right? And so like if you go into work every day and you're kind of just doing other people's work, and then your work is continuously getting neglected, and then over time there's a compounding effect of that where you're kind of never getting what the important stuff done. And that will be reflected at some point in a performance review or not getting those big impact things done. And it can be really frustrating. So if you're not getting those things done, that's not, and I fall victim to that too. Like I shouldn't, all of these things are like things that I grapple with and have challenges with. And like I go through huge stages of my life where things get very, or may get out of balance. And like, you know, it's coming back to these kind of things. But it's really, yeah, it's, it's really tough if you if you spend too much time chasing the urgent things. Well, another thing for clarity for anybody listening, important doesn't have to be an executive level thing. It can be no. important to your job, no matter what your job is. You've got core functions that if you don't meet those functions, whatever your job is, you're going to be stressed because you, you're going to know yourself or somebody's going to notice that you're not getting things done. So let's talk about engagement at work. A 2019 study showed that workers average just two hours and 48 minutes of productive work each day. 21% of working hours are spent on entertainment, news, and social media. 28% of workers start their day before 8.30 a.m. and 5% start before 7 a.m. 40% of people use their computers after 10 p.m. And 26% of work is done outside of normal working hours. Workers average at least one hour of work outside of the working day on 89 days a year, and 50% of these hours are on weekend days. We tend to check our email and instant messaging on average every six minutes, and 40% of our day is spent multitasking with communication tools. You know, the average knowledge worker spends just over five hours a day on their computers alone. This doesn't include time spent in meetings, on calls, checking email or messages, or your mobile phone, which according to different studies can add anywhere from 50 to 100% more time to your workday. It's time to start thinking about how connected we really need to be. I mean, even, well, even back to like what you value, like uh, your family, what's, what's important is certainly isn't what's urgent, right? It's like, maintaining relationships you can't do like you can't just like okay let's quickly do this thing yeah right right. whether it's like having like a nice private dinner or spending time with uh, my daughter for us that's really important you need to have undistracted long periods of time to to do like that is important but you can't rush that you can't like okay i gotta squeeze in this 15 minute play Mm -hmm. time but that is like an important thing and it's, it's one of those things where you can neglect it for maybe say a week or two but like if, if you don't, if you don't um, take care of those relationships, then they'll they'll wither over time. Well, you speak my language when it comes to health too. You right. can't just go and do one workout and be and be in shape, or you have one healthy meal and and say Eureka, it's fixed. Right. I, I, uh, the barbershop I go to has an amazing sign on the wall because they take appointments and people could be late, whatever. And it yeah. said, "Lack of planning on your part doesn't constitute an emergency on ours." Exactly. And I love that saying because how often do you get pulled into other people's chaos? Yeah. And like you said, sometimes the people that are most successful, the people that are like, "Okay, I got a game plan and I'll address that," but yeah. I've got other things going on. Yeah, it takes real courage to do that, though. 
mm-hmm. right? Because especially if it's someone that's like a little bit senior to you or a colleague, to say no, I think you realize over time is more and more important. At the beginning of your career, kind of saying yes, 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 it's important as a part of proving yourself. But, you know, saying no becomes more and more important. Like you just have, when you look at your day, especially as you, you have family and stuff, you just have so little time, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, how what you say yes to is so important, but like the thousand things you say no to is far more important. Mm-hmm. And you just can't. There's this great quote. It's I think it's like Ray Dalio, the uh, uh, a, a big investor. He says you you can have anything you want, but not everything you want. Oh, right. And yeah. so if you really put your mind to accomplishing a goal or to have you know whatever your values are aligned with, but you can't have everything, mm-hmm. right? And what you say no to is probably more important to what you say yes to. We're here with Greg Smythe, founder of Global NL, as he talks work-life balance and the importance of staying connected. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're here with Greg Smythe, whose career's taken him from working here in Newfoundland and Labrador to the hub of oil and gas in Houston, Texas, and then on to the tech capital of the world in Silicon Valley. He's sharing what he's learned about maintaining health and balance in a fast-paced world. Let's check it out. Okay, so you said that you know you've got a family, you've changed your career, you've moved to the US, you've done yeah. all sorts of different things, you've started nonprofits, but how have your values changed? Because I mean, maybe when I first met you and you're starting out your career, you might not have invested all this time doing a nonprofit yeah. community type programming. How have they shifted for you? I mean, the big one for me is family. I mean, like I think early on is you're single and working, it's one thing. And then getting married, you know, my wife and I moving to the US, traveling a lot together and kind of going on that adventure together and then and then having a child, that that value has like shifted up more and more importance, right? So with respect to values and global NL, I think I certainly got to a stage, I think moving from from the oil industry to the to Silicon Valley was like a big transition, right? So I'd spent almost 10 years working for oil and gas, like I kind of grew up on oil and gas in a way, like kind of all my family was working on it, went through school working on it, then like worked on it for 10 years. And then your whole identity is tied up in that, right? And it's it's a tough thing to untangle all the relationships you have of, of um, that you've worked with for, for a decade. And then to l- largely leave those things behind was like very difficult. But moving to Silicon Valley was tough, but like we got a lot of support from either other Canadians or other Newfoundlanders. And I think part of that was like I was inspired to really start to give back to Newfoundland in a more meaningful way. Uh, so I was at a stage in my career where I, I felt like I could contribute. And especially in Silicon Valley, there was very few Newfoundlanders there. And I felt like, you know, especially for helping Newfoundland diversify its economy or getting at least access to diversified opportunities, that it would be good for, say, students to start with to help them just get some exposure to that. And so that was kind of the original impetus to it, to to help give back in some more meaningful way. For those of you who haven't heard of Global NL, their mission is to connect the global community of Newfoundlanders and Labradorians in today's borderless world. They promote relationships and mentorship among their members, as well as Newfoundland-affiliated companies and organizations. They recognize the success of their members and champion Newfoundland and Labrador all over the world. Their members are from diverse backgrounds with careers in various industries, academia, nonprofits, and the arts. They're from all over Newfoundland and Labrador and beyond, and they all share the same affinity and passion for the province. 
Their members are committed to strengthening the global NL community and helping each other, whether that's a 10-minute phone call or ongoing mentorship. All members are volunteers. It's a great community program. I encourage you to check it out. Let's get back to our interview with Greg Smythe. Right. And I mean, you've seen some amazing stories of people that have come down and uh, be coordinated by the, the group that you set up. Like, what are some of the stories of the of the new businesses that are benefiting from having this expanded network that we typically wouldn't have? Yeah. So, I mean, a few I've obviously been a little bit more focused on. It's not it's not only focused on, on tech, but largely what I've been trying to do is create more connection between Flynn and Silicon Valley. Some of the stories, you know, so we've had, there was very, you know, there's probably a dozen Newfoundlanders working in different companies there. Since, since then, we've had at least 20 or maybe 25 students come through Tesla doing internships. And then there's been a bunch through Apple, a couple of other driverless car companies and a couple of other companies there. And I think that though, again, it's not just meant to, you know, have everyone move to California. But it does open students' eyes to like other opportunities. You know, I'd met a bunch of the students through the Hyperloop competition that that goes on every year in Los Angeles at SpaceX. And you could just see those opportunities kind of open folks' aperture to to what they could accomplish. And you know, two guys I work closely with that founded Colab Software, uh, but both of them were offered jobs to come to Silicon Valley and they chose to stay in Newfoundland to start a company. And, you know, now they employ 35 people here. They're going to hire another 10 people this year, at least. They also, you know, got applied and got into Y Combinator, which is the most elite startup school in the world. Mm. And which is a very tough thing. They were, I think, the first company in Atlantic Canada to get accepted to that. And then they also have raised money from Silicon Valley investors, which which is like a, there, there is a lot of a great investment in Newfoundland, but it's a it's there's so much access to capital there and it gives us connections to a different group of, of folks and also like it just drives valuations for the company so they will get valued even higher right and so like a lot of those dynamics are important and like i, I shouldn't take credit for that those guys did all of that on their own mm -hmm. but it also like the other thing i realized that six months later two other companies applied for y combinator they got interviewed but didn't get in. But the reason was, you know, they other oh, like collab can do it, I can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're gonna apply next year when we're a little bit further along. And yeah. and I think it'll create a precedent for for that in the future. Well, we know that the tech sector here is starting to grow, uh, yeah. but I mean, obviously, we we would learn from places like Silicon Valley as the yeah. best in the world. And so for us to have exposure to that and bring that back home is, is a great opportunity. And I mean, the same thing when when I was working in oil and gas, we had connections because Newfoundlanders work in oil and gas. We both did. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, you've got the opportunity to go down to the States and have connections there. So, yeah, Newfoundlanders working together is something that gives a sense of community. And I guess that's something that we're seeing more during the pandemic is just how important it is to be from here and, yeah. you know, and how much maybe, you know, you miss home and things like that when you're away. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I mean, I think the, the thing I've seen is that especially maybe this is more specifically tied to, you know, professional things, but, you know, the university alumni associations in the U S are like very strong and like, they're basically going to bat for each other when they go look for jobs or they're starting companies and those things. And, and so for Global Analysis, it's sort of meant to create an organization that can help do that, right? That we need to go to bat for each other, uh, whether it's expats living abroad that can support each other or companies that are based here, you know, whoever it might be can help support each other. Because if, if we don't go to bat for each other, who kind of who will? Right. And that lends itself to quality of life and health yeah. and mental health and everything else, because yeah. things are stressful in Newfoundland right now. And we need to do what we can to try and open the doors for new opportunities. Yeah. 
So if somebody wants to learn more about Global NL, you guys have a podcast, you guys have yeah. social channels, you guys have a website. How can people get involved in Global NL? I think the first place to start is to go to globalnl.com and you can sign up. It says there's a join the crowd button and you can do a kind of a simple form to fill out and that will get you added to a kind of email distribution list and you'll be kind of part of this database. The one thing I would really recommend is go in there and look at the map. There's a map function that shows Google Maps where all like Newfoundlanders that are in that that system are. It's a really fascinating to see like what parts of the world that people are. And then you can find uh, uh, find us through any of the regular social media channels. If you just search through any of them for Global Anal, you'll find us. And then, yeah, I've got a podcast called Uncharted Waters, which is uh, really just meant to share stories about Newfoundlanders and Labradorians uh, doing interesting and amazing things uh, around the world and at home. That's great. And you know what? Newfoundlanders have one skill that we don't need to learn from Silicon Valley, and that's how to network and communicate and be able to understand other people. So that's exactly. that's great. And that's that's a great place. I listen to the podcast as well, and I think it's it's really interesting to hear what people are up to. Yeah. But let's switch gears now. It's a wellness show. One thing about you that really struck me, I've, I've known you for a long time, and I've seen your career progress, but wellness, health, been really important to you. It's important to your wife. It's a part of your guys' day-to-day life. Why is it important for you in your career where it may not be as you know physically demanding as other jobs, but why is physical fitness and health really important to you? Yeah, I mean it goes back to values, I think. And it's it's it I mean, I think to have Warren Buffett uses this example of like, you know, if you had one car that you had to get through your entire life with, you would take like perfect, pristine care of it. Right. Right. Because if it had to last like certainly 80 years, you know, you would just you would clean it every day, you keep it in the garage, you take care of it. And I think thinking about your body in a similar way that you've only got one and it's going to carry you through your life, I think is, is probably a good framework for thinking about it. I think the other part about office, you know, we all, a lot of people have shifted from, you know, kind of traditional labor jobs or, you know, a lot of the newer jobs in this knowledge economy, they call it. And uh, I think considering yourself a, a cognitive athlete, it's a strong word. I know you always mm-hmm. used industrial athlete, but you're really using your brain, right? You're sitting at a desk all day and you're just kind of thinking or, or kind of using things, using your mind. And I think like taking good, good care of your, your body is important, but taking care of your brain is even more important. I mean, you can talk about me- mental health is certainly a part of it, but like having good nutrition, good sleep, you know, exercising, you know, and doing other things to be proactive about managing your your brain health or mental health, I think is extremely important. Right. Well, they all contribute to it too. The foods we eat. So we have a bunch of coffee that's going to send yeah. our anxiety through the roof. Uh, you know, so it's, it, it uh, doesn't fix the problem, but it definitely can be part of a solution for people to be healthier. Yeah. Those things. What are some of the things that you've used over the years to keep yourself healthy? Yeah. So like from like working in a high paced corporate environment again like you're using your brain a lot through the week and especially i think we started before we started recording talked about you know i started using a desktop computer no one had laptops no one had cell phones no one had blackberries or iphones certainly and so like i've gone through that transition really in the past you know 10 or 15 years to to now fully connected everyone's kind of online all the time and so i think managing like the amount of information you know information that your brain can only take so much and I think kind of proactively being thoughtful about what your information diet is, whether it's at work or at home, I think is is one important one. I think there's a few things like, I mean, just being active, I think is important. My wife and I play sports. Running for me is like the, the most uh, helpful way to clear my head, I think, after a busy or stressful day or week. Meditation, I think, has helped me in a more like proactive way to 
to like calm the mind and to realize like how busy your mind is in the run of the day. Like when you meditate, you, you start to get an idea of like how many thoughts are like racing through mm-hmm. your head. Yeah. Uh, and it can be really difficult. It sounds simple just to sit still for 10 minutes a day, but until you do it and do it over a long period of time, you, sometimes you don't even realize how busy the mind is. Mm-hmm. But it's also really beneficial if you do it, you can more critically think. It goes back to those important versus urgent. Right. Like if your mind is clear, you can think deeply, you can critically think, you can solve tough problems. But if you're kind of running on 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 uh, on ten all the time, it can be very difficult to slow the mind down to think. Well, we've all written an email and, and hopefully not sent it, and then reread it afterwards. Like, man, am I ever glad I didn't send that email? Yeah, and exactly. So, you know, the mind when it's racing, it could be like a San Francisco highway, I suppose. You know. Yeah, exactly. I think a couple of other things that have helped. Journaling is helpful if you do have a lot of things in your mind that are kind of conflicting. It's really hard to like figure out your thoughts in your own head, and I think getting them on a piece of paper can help you sort through like whether it's work things or personal things it can really help even it's kind of cathartic to to be able to to get some of those things out of your mind i think the other thing that i've found most beneficial is restorative yoga which is sort of a form of of um, more of a form of meditation than i would say yoga Uh, but it's kind of an hour an hour and a half of meditation you actually don't realize that it takes 20 to 30 minutes for your body and mind to like fully slow down Mm. And it's one of those things where you don't realize how stressed or busy your mind is until you like fully relax your body. And it's not sleep. It's like a different state where like your nervous system kind of fully comes to rest and, and you get that, that clarity or that, that full rest. And that is like the best sleep. When I do that, you know, at seven or eight o'clock at night and then go to bed later that night, you get such deep sleep. It's incredible. We're here with Greg Smythe, founder of Global NL, as he talks work-life balance and the importance of staying connected. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back. We're here with Greg Smythe, whose career's taken him from working here in Newfoundland and Labrador to the hub of oil and gas in Houston, Texas, and then on to the tech capital of the world in Silicon Valley. He's sharing what he's learned about maintaining health and balance in a fast-paced world. Let's check it out. It's also Mental Health Month, February in Canada. Yeah. So it's important for people to be able to deal with that. I think if I can talk about mental health too, I think it's something I've been much more open about recently that, you know, I've dealt with anxiety since I was like probably a little kid, but I didn't think it was like something I needed to say deal with, but it was, I just thought it was a kid that worried a lot maybe. Mm. Um, but like starting to confront it and deal with it has been like amazing. It's like, it's improved the quality of my life and like, and uh, there's all these tools like I kind of just talked about that help you deal with it. And then even being more open about it kind of just, and you realize kind of everyone or a lot of people are going through some form of it or certainly at different stages in their life go through some, some challenge like that. Um, and, and having tools or support systems that can help you cope or deal with it through those stages is really important. Cause like if you don't have those tools in place beforehand, like that's when eating alcohol, like stimulants, like all those things kind of tend to be the crutch that, and you know, I still have some of those crutches myself, but having tools and people around you to support through that stage is like super, super important. Yeah. And then that's one of the things we're trying to do in the show is we try and reduce the stigma about yeah. just how relevant it is. One time uh, a psychiatrist explained it to me uh, by saying it's like 
uh, having glasses. Everybody yeah. needs to have glasses. You can't just say like, let's just see now. Just go ahead and, and see, see better. See better. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you can't see better. You need it. You need yeah. a prescription. Now everybody's prescription is different. And it's not surprising that it would, it would be something that everybody would struggle with in different ways, including people that are having high stress at, at the workplace, which is why your tips on on having a good culture is just so, so critical. I think also the one last thing I'll say is like yeah. therapy is something I've done for, that has a weird stigma around it too, I think. But having a therapist has been like the best thing ever. And I've been talking to someone that for, you know, professional for like, say, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. And it's like having someone that that understands psychology. But I was also like this third part, unemotional third party. It's not a spouse. It's not a parent. It's not a friend. And then can provide kind of sort of an objective view on your life. And what's happening is like, it's amazing. And it's overwhelmingly positive. And doing it when... You know, certainly when you have challenging times in your life, but doing it when it's not challenging can be even be- can be even better. And like I often look like look forward to those sessions and like you realize you also don't have to uh, to pin your spouse down to talk about all these things. And having someone that's like kind of uh, outside that circle is really helpful. You said it perfectly. I mean, you know, it's like you don't fix your roof only when it's a hurricane. Exactly. Sometimes you fix it beforehand. And that's yeah. one thing that I think the stigma is being removed when it comes to getting help and getting better because Healthcare, for example, quite often can be sick care, where yeah. the goal is to bring somebody back to not being sick. Right. But the other goal of wellness, what I think it is, is is making you better than just almost sick exactly. and making you resilient against it. And mental health is the same sort of thing because exactly. we have periods of time when things can change in a second. And actually, that's what I want to talk to you about right now. You've had an interesting lens being in California during the pandemic. How has... COVID-19 and what you've been living through and what you've seen sort of changed your perspective on the world we live in. (laughs) I mean, it's changed a lot of things. I think the one, I always had this dream, I think that I wanted to work remote forever. You know, I wanted to be able to to do my job, like live in the Rocky Mountains or just like kind of this fantasy or like living in Hawaii, something along those lines and be able to do my job from anywhere. I think what I realized was that like that, that sense of community with the people you work with, like I really miss people, mm-hmm. right? And there is just like working on a Zoom, like on a Zoom call. You know, I used to be in meetings, you know, at least eight eight hours a day, maybe more sometimes, and like that is exhausting, mm-hmm. you know. And there's some like sense of like body language doesn't fully come through, um, and there's just like that sense of community that you get from being in an office, like, especially in Silicon Valley, like no one has offices. So you're in this very open office environment. When my dad came to visit us at the office a couple of years ago, he said it felt like a train station. Yeah. Right. And like that, that beehive, that train station, like that is energizing and like you can solve all kinds of problems like really quickly and you can bounce all these ideas off of each other. And like that is very energizing for me, at least. Mm-hmm. And I think I but at the same time, I love like having a day or two a week of like quiet reflection, get things done, get caught up time. So like mm-hmm. I think for me, I've heard this like three two two thing kind of work schedule or three days in the office, two days at home, two days for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I want mm-hmm. is like like a lot of like, you know, three days a week interacting with the team that you're working in closely maybe a day or two at home to get things done mm-hmm. and then obviously you know time and uh um and then time on the weekends for for doing what you want to do research shows that the average canadian describes themselves as stressed or super stressed and that's not balanced or healthy in our rush to get it all done at the office and at home it's easy to forget that our stress levels rise and our productivity plummets as does our ability to enjoy life 
Stress can impact our ability to concentrate, make us irritable or depressed, and harm our personal and professional relationships. Over time, stress also weakens our immune system and makes us susceptible to a variety of ailments from colds to backaches and heart disease. You know, current research shows that chronic stress can actually double our risk of having a heart attack. Well, we all need a certain amount of stress to spur us on and perform our best, but the key is managing that stress, and the magic word for that is balance. Throw in the fact that many of us are working from home these days, then we have a scenario that amplifies stress and leads to additional challenges. Well, Greg has come up with his own list of key things to do to maintain balance when working remotely. His first rule is to shower and get dressed every morning. Number two is that video calls are much more engaging than conference calls. You should follow a schedule and don't eat at your desk. Try not to multitask during meetings, especially one-on-ones, because it's almost impossible to listen and do something of value at the same time. He encourages having a proper desk setup and monitor, and when possible, stand up and then rotate that with sitting down. If you have kids, get up a bit early to get ahead of your email. That way, when your family wakes up, you can spend some quality time with them. And his final rule is that back-to-back -back online meetings can be much more draining than in-person meetings. So take short breaks, go for a quick walk, and get outside for a walking meeting if you can. I think those are great tips. Let's get back to Greg. Well, you actually, you know, and that's where the tips you gave earlier are so relevant because if people don't have the skills, like you said, people come from a highly structured environment, all of a sudden they're home and then they, they, they don't have any guidance. Yeah. And so they're, they're floundering sometimes and they find it very stressful and that can be a really negative work environment for them. But learning about how to plan and prioritize and have, uh, have goals and then be able to work towards those goals. Uh, in a good constructive group allows you to have the balance on the same way though it's it's really tough i think the, the other hard thing with covid is like boundaries have been harder to set mm -hmm. because like someone said you're not working from home you're living at work mm -hmm. and like that's what has felt like a lot of time where you know most people get in the office in silicon valley from kind of nine till six is kind of the normal work day but now like okay maybe we'll do this meeting at eight or like maybe we'll do this meeting at seven or eight o'clock at night you know and and so like the flexibility is good, but boundaries get super blurry. Yeah. And it, again, it takes courage to be like, I can't go to this meeting. I can't meet at this time. I have to stop checking emails at this time of day. Mm -hmm. I think that's the other part that's been very difficult. And that's where like the values of the team you work in, the company you work for is very important to see how they behave in that environment. Right, right. And uh, and then the other thing is you said before about being energized around people. That's something that people are sorely lacking. Right, because I'm the same way. I've actually have conversations with somebody the other day. I was like, I had a chat with somebody who feels so great. I'd like yeah. to, you know, because I'm a people person. Yeah. And so uh, finding solid ways to connect with one another and keep that culture alive when you're really far apart is something that's probably pretty important. Yeah, it's really tough. What I saw was really tough is we hired some new people, like interns and young new hires, and it's really tough for them to integrate into a new a new company, new culture, or the team they work in to meet the cross-functional partners they work with is really tough. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to create this shift to more of a hybrid workplace. I don't think the whole world's going to work from home forever, but mm -hmm. I think there will be a lot of positive change from that will come from it. Well, Greg, thanks so much for taking the time to share not only your career, but how you've been able to succeed and some of the tactics that people can employ to help keep the stress level down and keep more balance. So thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for everything you're doing. Thank you to Greg for taking the time to chat today and share how he's been able to find balance in his career. 
Now we're all different, but a lot of the tips he shared really resonated with me, and I hope they did with you as well. Balance is defined as a state where different elements are equal or in the correct proportions. So if you feel like you're getting out of sync, then take some time to evaluate where you can make changes. And remember, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your VOCM.